7 o'clock. That's over on our sister station, Rock 1041, and the free Rock 1041 mobile app. You can download their mobile app for Flyers. And then over here on 97.3 ESPN, once the Sixers game ends, we'll pick up the Flyers game in progress. And uh, right now, though, we're going to shift over to the Phils. Got the lineup for today. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. No Bryce Harper. No D.H. Bryce Harper? Nothing? No D.H. Bryce Harper. You got Gene Segura batting in the cleanup, mm. and your D.H. is Barrows, Phil Goslin. I don't mind that, I mean, but... Kutch, Hoskins, J.T., Segura cleanup, Goslin, Gregorius, Boehm, Quinn, Kingery, Nola on the bump. Okay, well, Nola's pitching. I got to uh, win this game. So, this isn't the day that I sit Bryce Harper, though. Unless he's thinking, hey, he needs that offense when Vince Velasquez is on the mound or Arietta or Eflin, maybe we can get by Mm-mm. without. Flawed uh, thinking. Well, hey, I'm just here to give you the alternative. Frank Close covered the Phillies. His mailbag is up right now at 973ESPN.com. But we got a lot to get into before we look at some mailbag questions. One, Phillies make a trade today. They get reliever David Hale, not the reporter David Hale. It's the pitcher David Hale. They could be shopping for more, Frank. And tell us a little bit about this deal. Uh, where Hale kind of fits in. I mean, is he a guy that's really helped with this bullpen, or is this just, uh, hey, we got to show the fans we're doing something? Well, Hale's been pretty decent uh, lately for the for the New York Yankees. I actually saw when he got designated, I thought, hmm, he's somebody who could help the Phillies. But you know what? The the they were able to work out a trade. They didn't have to wait for a, a waiver claim. I uh, I think it's a pickup that that's helpful. Uh, he had a three ERA in his five appearances so far. Uh, certainly that's better than pretty much everybody in the bullpen except Jose Alvarez, who might be in a little pain right now. Uh, so I, I definitely think it's a good pickup. Uh, clearly by the reports out there, they might be looking at a Brandon Workman trade, uh, for example. Now, there's no reports that that's close, but clearly the Phillies know that they need to do something. Yeah, there's no question they need to do something. Uh, yesterday they're up 7 nothing. They can't hold that. Vince Velasquez again on the mound. I mean, not all his fault, but just uh, kind of a microcosm. As he pitches, gets a 7 nothing lead, he can't stay uh, in the game. Uh, I mean, is the Velasquez thing is because they don't have another option, or do they just think that he's better than we do? No, they don't have a better option. In fact, I was kind of annoyed that Velasquez had actually said, like, well, I earned this spot in the rotation. I said, but really, the answer is no. You're the only guy left. I mean, Nick Pavetta has clearly pitched himself out of contention for that, for that role. And, and right now, he's a sixth starter, and they're going to need six. They might even need a seventh when they get to that crazy week in September. Uh, but, you know, they, they just had to get more, more out of him in that game. Um, and, and they tried to push him a little further, and that's that's when he got into a little bit of trouble. And then, of course, Brockton comes in and um, makes it actually worse. So uh, it, it's a really tough spot for Joe Girardi right now. And, and even after the game, he basically said, "Hey, look, it, it, you know, people were asking him, well, do you need some other other relievers?" He basically just said, "Well, look, I, I, it's my job to try to work with what I have, and what he has is clearly not good enough." Well, it almost seems like it's not even fixable, right? I mean. All these teams, because of the expanded playoffs, they think they're in it still, and no one's going to be trading anything. And like the move today, okay, it's a move, but it's not something that really fixes this bullpen. Like I just feel like this is what it is this season. Well, it has to be more than this, obviously. I mean, you you really need uh, David Hale plus another arm. Now, now if they can pull off a deal for Workman, I don't know if they can. I mean, there there were still reports today. Uh, you know, Matt Gelb wrote in the Athletic that. The Phillies weren't able, weren't willing to spend money on it. 
uh, which they're, they're going to have to. <laughs> I mean, but, but Brandon Workman is is an actual decent bullpen arm who can pitch at the back end. He saved a bunch of games last year, got a bunch of holds. So I, I, they they need to add an impact bullpen arm, and then they need other complementary pieces that 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 will help. Um, Brandon Suarez coming back, adding David Hale, adding. A Brandon Workman per, per se, you know, that that's going to be, uh, that, that might be enough to, to sort of level it out. But I mean, right now, right now, if the Phillies are talking about Brandon Workman and, and that's out there, I'm sure there's a million other GMs out there right now that are going to pick up the phone and call the Red Sox and say, Oh, so you're, you're going to trade Brandon Workman. We, we want in on that. I mean, cause let's face it, there's a lot of bullpens right now that are overworked during this season and a lot of holes on a lot of teams. So if the Phillies are going to have to get somebody like Workman, they're going to have to pay a high price. I don't know what that's going to be right now. I mean, this is a free agent to be. Um, (laughs) It's a really hard landscape to make a trade. That's absolutely right, Hunter. And I think that, I think that the Phillies, if they're going to land somebody like that, you're going to have to trade somebody of value. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Addison Russ enough peace. Uh, you know, he's an up-and-comer. You thought that he might help the Phillies someday. You saw him a little bit in even the summer camp action. Uh, but they probably paid too much for David Hill. But they're going to pay even more when you get the, the bigger-named arms uh, that, that you're going to need. And the question is going to come down to this. Are you willing to waste the season or not? And, you know, according to John Middleton, they're, they're losing a lot of money this year to make baseball happen. And if you're going to lose all that money and have nothing to show for it. I think that's a real disappointment. So they may have to swallow hard and, and pay the high price to bring in a better reliever. Yeah, I do agree with you with the trade today, by the way. was not a big fan. I feel like at that point you just actually bring up Addison Ross himself and give him an opportunity. But I want to get your thoughts on Spencer Howard, who pitched yesterday in the first game. I think this was his best outing. You can argue that, um, I almost said Gabe Kapler. Wow, Joe Girardi pulled him too early. <laughs> Um, but he went three and two-thirds. That 97-mile-per-hour fastball with the movement was just nasty. What was your thoughts on Spencer Howard yesterday? No, I, I thought he looked good, and, and, and I tend to agree with you. I, I think that he should have stayed out longer. I mean, I, I, the Phillies can't afford to, especially in a doubleheader when you have Vince Velasquez pitching the second game, you really can't afford to go to that bullpen so soon, and you you saw the effects of it. I mean, they, they, they couldn't bring guys back uh for game two, I mean, it's just not going to happen right now. That you're not going to bring guys back for a second game in a day, and and uh, you know, I, I think he looks pretty good, and I, I think you just need to let him loose. I mean, that that that's that's what I really want to see. I want to see him work through some jams. I want to see him um, deal with a little bit of adversity on the mound. So it seems like right now, the moment that there's a challenging situation, they pull him out. Because um, yeah, they're keeping their their the pitch counts down and building him up. But but he didn't pitch in March, you know, when. when when I when I left Florida, uh, which was probably about oh, just about a week before the shutdown, um, he hadn't thrown a pitch yet. I mean, I just seen him work. I saw him work out on some of the backfields. I think he finally made an appearance before things got shut down. He's not somebody that that that's been overly taxed so far. So, I mean, I would like to see him go out there and and yeah, he gets a couple runners on in the in the fourth inning. Let let him work through it. Even if he gives up a couple of runs, he's got to, he's got to learn he's got to learn on the job. I mean that's 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 the unfortunate thing about this season, and the best way to do it is by doing it. So I I, I think he's looking good. I think he'll will if allowed will go deeper in games. Will be stronger as he goes, and and you know you you need him to be his best, and he's got great stuff, 
And right now, I, I think that if you can get him going with 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 uh, Arietta being so-so up and down, Eflin so far striking out a lot, but throwing a lot of pitches. I love Vince Velasquez. You need that. You need that third deeper arm in the rotation, and it's got to be him. And you, but you got to let him do it. Uh, right now, Jim Salisbury tweeting the Phillies are in active talks with the Red Sox to acquire closer Brandon Workman. Not final, but multiple players are involved in a proposed deal. He followed that tweet up uh, just two minutes ago by basically saying that it looks like the deal is going to get done. So it looks like they might get two Ooh. arms in the same day here. So uh, we could be—that's a big ad, right? It's, he said, first hell, now a deal for Workman in the works. Phillies are getting after it now." Salisbury was pretty critical on the team yesterday about how embarrassing it was for this team, and you wonder uh, how demoralizing that that uh, seven nothing loss was for this team, falling to nine and twelve. With you know, I mean, you're you only got forty games, thirty nine games left. And you know what? The, this this is going to be Matt Klintak's legacy. I have a piece I'm working on, which of course is shifting as the Phillies keep acquiring uh, relievers. Uh, but basically, he, he could lose his job. Over- I'm not the kind of guy did this last night during the game. I'm not the kind of guy to just say, "Oh, fire the GM every time something bad happens." I know some people have that knee-jerk reaction sometimes, especially in Philadelphia. But this is historically bad. And he's got to do something because, you know, he already changed the manager. And even Joe Girardi, who's widely respected, is throwing his arms in the air saying, I've got what I've got. Well, you better get better than that. And adding workmen would be very helpful because, you know, if Hector Neris, it turns out, is Hector Neris of 2018 and not 2019, you need somebody who can close games and Brandon Workman can close games for you. Yeah, I mean, you're asking uh, Workman, uh, excuse me, Neris yesterday to get a five-out save just because he's clearly the only guy you trust. And, of course, his defense lets him down in that situation. Frank Close covers the Phillies, 97.3 ESPN.com. His mailbag, uh, which... uh, you know, goes out on Tuesdays. We had so much happen between. We had a Flyers game on Tuesday, and uh, some of the theme of that was the bullpen. And obviously, it looks like they're looking to add uh, to that bullpen now. I want to ask you about Alec Bohm and, and uh, kind of what you've seen from him so far, um, and what this means for Scott Kingery moving forward. Well, Alec Bohm, I think he's impressed everybody. Um, most part, his defense has been pretty good, and, and the fact that he's come up with such poise, you know. Uh, that second game, he almost tied the game with that ball off the wall. So uh, the fact that he could come up with a big hit like that at a big time, I think that's very promising. He's 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 locked in, he's poised, and he he's doing his thing. So I, I think this is this is somebody you want in your lineup every day. I know he's he's still adjusting to the league again. Somebody who skipped over play, much like Spencer Howard. So you're you're on the job training right now but uh you know i think the nice thing about the Phillies setup right now is they do have extra pieces they can mix and match they can move people around you know you get on adam hastily see again and then you know uh that that does help too because then you can uh give boom a day off easier if if kingery is sort of your extra guy or segura is moving around or uh, there's, there's a lot of options. I think that's the nice thing about this Phillies offense right now is the options. They have players. Jay Bruce can come in and play left, play first base. He can DH. Uh, Segura can play third, <laughs> second, and short. And, and that just makes it so much more comfortable for the Phillies to ease what they need to. But so far, he has not given them a reason to do so. So I think that uh, I think at the end of the day, the ones that are playing the best will play the most. And uh, Kingery. Uh, unfortunately for him, had the rough start with, with battle with COVID and then trying to catch up to everybody. 
Um, I, I'm not one who wants to give up on him, but you know, this is a short season. They're trying to win a division. Uh, his day could still come, but I think you go with a hot hand here, and that's that's playing Boehm, and that's making sure Phil Gosselin is in the game too some, whether it's second base, left field, DH, wherever you can possibly put him. So Philly's are in a good spot right now, at least offensively, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're making these relief moves because that, that, that's the hole that they have on this team. And, and now that Alec Boehm is there, you have even more offensive options to an already strong offense. So, so yeah, I, to the point, as, as we were opening, Bryce Harper being out of the lineup, I think they can withstand that for a day. Uh, but uh, I guess you can't. I guess you can't play him every day, but I wouldn't be shocked if he pinch hits at some point. Uh, last one: uh, When you look at the playoff hopes, uh, Patrick wanted to know this seven games trip, which got off to an awful start. You had two games you're winning late, you blow them both. But he wants to know with, uh, if this seven game road trip uh, are the playoffs on the line with this trip. I don't know about this trip, but they got to do something against the Atlanta Braves for sure. Especially now, especially after losing those two. Uh, you know, you have your top two pitchers going uh, during this series, so I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, any any series where you play Nolan uh, Nolan Wheeler, you're in great shape. So uh, I, I'm not that impressed by the Braves, and they've had their issues with their starting pitching. You know, Mike Fultonevich, Sean Newcomb, the both both of them ended up having to be removed from the rotation. They've never gotten Cole Hamels going. He may never pit, throw a pitch for the Braves, which is which is uh, interesting considering they were going to sign the $18 million deal <laughs> and, and have nothing to show for it, even though they're not paying all 18. Uh, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is on the injured list at the moment. So uh, Phillies can take advantage of that right now and make sure that they um, – you know, creep closer to the Braves. And I think this division is very, very winnable. You know, once you add these, these relievers and kind of fill your biggest hole on the job, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of sitting pretty. I mean, National Steven Strasburg's been out. He, he might have carpal tunnel. Uh, they don't have Anthony Rendon anymore. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're the Nationals whole, whole infield or ex Phillies, uh, you know, middle infielder bench bats. <laughs> so I, I think there's, I think there's an opportunity if they can get this bullpen together to, to win the division. And, and today, they, if, if they do indeed close in on that deal with Workman, I think that's that's uh, that's something which could make quite the difference. And uh, as we said, the starting pitching can be good enough, especially at the front end and the offense is. I, I think this is a very winnable division, even though uh, today uh, you're not going to, you know, based upon those two losses, you might not be feeling good. Uh, but you know, you sort of reset with your ace today. I, th- I think this is this is a time where they can build some momentum. Uh, if they if they can uh, definitely take on take the Braves for two out of three, that's a good start. Ideally, you can sweep. Uh, but uh, who knows? Maybe the team will be feel rejuvenated by by these additions. Because as you were saying, you know, these losses were demoralizing uh, against the. Uh, Blue Jays and, and Buffalo, and and uh, but the division's there. They can they can win this. By the way, uh, Jose Alvarez said it hurt pretty bad. It hit me in the private parts. It's a pain. It's hard to describe. That was like watching the Phillies game yesterday. It's a microcosm. <laughs> but he says he's okay. Uh, don't know if he's going to pitch today. But he said everything was good in the hospital. Uh, so good stuff. All right, Frank Close, ninety-seven-three ESPN.com at Frank Close with a K. On Twitter, his mailbag every Tuesday. Uh, we gave it to you today on a Friday because the Phillies' loss last night was just unbelievable to look at. And keep our eye on the, with the website, 973ESPN.com, as the Phillies are in trade talks uh, with the Red Sox. They could have another bullpen arm by 
the end of the day. Frank, enjoy the weekend, man. You too, guys. All right, Frank Close, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. It's Mike and Broads. What's up, everybody, on a Friday? Now, Pete Thompson tonight, we're going to get his uh, Flyers thoughts at 530. Ooh, PT's all flyered up. Got to win this game, says Kevin Durso. Read more about it at 97.3 ESPN.com. Sports Bash is brought to you by Matt Black Kia. They want to get you approved today. That's Matt Black Kia, 6211 Black Horse Pike EHT. So I'm going 25% Sixers. No Bryce Harper probably moves the Phillies down a bit, right? They were already at five. I'm not going any lower than that. You're not going three. It's Nola Day, so I'll stay at five. Well, Joe Girardi does have a comment here on why Bryce Harper's not in the lineup. Yeah, he's tired or something. Dog tired and beat up. Dog tired. Girardi saw him after yesterday's doubleheader and noticed he looked exhausted. Bryce Harper did not ask to sit. That good enough reason? Dog tired? I mean, look, it's 60-game season. If he, if he plays 57 of them, that's probably reality. Can't be the DH? I'm sure. Well, Frank Close mentioned you'd prob- you'll probably see him today. I'm sure you'll get it. I mean, yeah, anybody can pitch hit, but can't DH four times. I'm with you. All right. I didn't think you liked the DH. I hate it. But if it's there, I might as well utilize it. I'm not asking for the pitcher to hit in the DH. Well, you got Andrew Knapp. Who, by the way, I'm loving it. Him and Gosselin, I'm all for it. Who? <laughs> Andrew Knapp. And these, oh. they're, they're, whatever they're eating, it's working. I told you these Knapp two. wasn't the problem you said he was. Whoa, stop it. This is the first time in his career he's ever had something. It's like Gosselin. This isn't who he is. Well, this isn't what Andrew Knapp is, but I'm still here yeah, to appreciate Those guys him. are nobodies, is my point. You, if you're if you're yelling and screaming to get guy got a fixed nap, you weren't looking. At but the that was pitch. never my original argument. Well, guess what? Nap's the least of their problems. Well, this sure, game. I'm not disagreeing with that. I don't wake up every day and go, you know what? Nap's the issue today with this roster. Jeez, this roster, this bullpen. It's not even the roster. I don't even like what the they're bullpen. doing right now. Like, Fair. I don't think it's worth giving up all these things for for this for this run UFAs next year. I don't even think it's worth it. Do you? Like, how are you? You're trying to put band-aids on this bullpen right now? For what? Right. And so they're doing the same thing they did last year. They're essentially taking all these cast-offs and just saying, hey, let's just grab straws and see if they work. We exactly. talked about that yesterday a little bit. Yeah, it's not worth it. I don't I don't even like the road they're going down right now, but they're going to try and save face, I guess. All right, we're the Sports Bats. It's a Friday edition, 97.3 ESPN. There's never an off-season. For- Hi, Micah Broads, taking you till 6 o'clock tonight. Coming up a little later, it's football at 4. Andrew DeCecco's in the house. I feel like I haven't talked to DeCecco in like a month. He was on vacation. I've been in and out on days that he's in. So we're looking forward to what he has to say today. You know, uh, some Eagles news today you're going to stick around for in about a half an hour. So football at 4 with Andrew DeCecco. PT at 5.30 tonight. I do want to get into more of this Sixers game and some of the problems. You know what? Some of the other things that bothered me about, you know, they have Zippo. Zippo. Like, think about this. All the treasure chest of stuff they have, and all they really had to show for it is Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. That's it. I mean, they had all these picks. Think about this. They had the number one pick in the draft, and they have nothing to show for that trade. Nothing. They have nothing to show for having the number one pick in the draft. Nothing. Well, where Isn't did that, that painful? where did that Orlando pick? They got Jonathan Simmons, and then they had a protected first round pick. That yeah, came whatever they the got from that deal ended up being insignificant. Oh, that's the OKC pick. That's this season. So we'll see what they get. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it doesn't relate saying, like, to you, anything. Just think about where they were. People were like, oh, the process and yada, yada. They had Ben Simmons, and they made mistakes. Joel Okafor did not fit. Nerland's Noel, 
was just pretty much a bad person. I mean, it's been it came down to. He wasn't he would have been a nice player behind Joel. They need a backup center. Nerlens would have been a very good defensive basically what he does for Oklahoma City. He would have been good here. Not that he was a star player. Okafor just wasn't he was the the wrong player at the wrong time of the NBA. Like if he was 10 years ago, Okafor probably been a really good player. With the way the game is now, he's just a guy. That's just a guy. Um Dario was okay. He wasn't anything special. He was a nice player. They got those two guys. They got Ben and Joel. And you have the number one pick to add to Ben and Joel, and they messed that up. They gave a pick away, another first-round pick. Then they get Shamit. Shamit's a guy they need. They trade him away and a first-round pick to get Tobias Harris. The Bridges deal is starting to look bad because they trade Bridges, who looks like a player. He's not a star. A nice bench player. Nice player. But they also got that pick back. They gave Shamit and that pick up to get Tobias Harris. So they have, they don't, uh, Smith is giving you zip. The pick you got with Smith is gone. Shamit, who looked like a nice player, you traded him away. They have made so many mistakes. And that was when Brett was the GM, though, right? He was the one that made the Bridges and Zaire Smith trade to get that first pick back. With Zaire Smith. And Which I like the deal I, I, to get Smith and the, and the pick. pick. Right. Right. But then Brand traded the pick and Shamit to get Tobias. Right. And that's what I didn't I don't like so much. Well, it does seem like the common theme here where we're talking about a lot of these moves happens to be, you know, Elton Brand. When Elton Brand has been in power, a lot of these disaster moves have been in place. He's been very aggressive. And I've been on the record saying I like the aggressive GM. I think that he's so aggressive. I know everyone talks about him not being able to get out of these contracts. I think he's so aggressive that he does find a way to get out of one of these contracts. I don't know how. I don't know what he's going to give up with it. But I feel like he knows how poor this is to the point where he understands he can't go back with this roster. So I feel like because he's so aggressive, he might give up more than you would like to with Al Horford's contract or with somebody else, but I, I honestly feel like he's going to find a way out of one of these. It might not be something that's pl pleasant. You might not be thrilled about it because you might have to throw some sweeteners into the deal, yeah. but I feel he, he might be aggressive to the point where getting that out of this town is, is what he's going to try and do. Brian Zaporek from Bleacher Report uh, covers the NBA. He's the co-host of the NBA pod. He was on game night last night with Josh. He talked about the overreaction that the Sixers had, and I've said this a lot. Between Hinky, Colangelo, the interim GM front office, the Hydra that they had, and now Elton Brand, we've gone through three or four GM groups in the past five years, however you want to look at it. And, you know, it, it feels like basically everything in the past two or three years, really since that the, the loss to the Celtics a few years ago in the playoffs, it's just like they're swinging a pendulum of overreaction back and forth. Back and forth, overreaction. And it was like the whole. It was like the Sixers front office was the fans. It was like you tanked for three years. Now you have to win immediately. And the front office, the ownership group, got greedy. It was like we went from twenty-eight wins to fifty-two wins. Oh, we're ready to go. Let's go. They couldn't. Hand, they couldn't just be patient for one more year. And they went for it. And I think they went for it too early. They went for it when Ben and Joel weren't ready. And they fast-forward Ben and Joel. And they went for it. 
and it blew up in their face. It's funny you bring that up. Uh, I heard that if you look back at everything that happened, what was that win streak that one year heading into the playoffs? Like 17, Six, 16, like 17 yep. or so? That could have been the worst thing for this franchise, looking back. Because if they went, say, I don't know, 10-6 and six during that span or something of that nature, you wouldn't feel like, oh, this is time. Oh, here we go. If they were more of like an 11-win span during that 16 games or so, the 16-game win streak heading into the playoffs could have possibly been that moment where this front office decided, hey, this is now time. Because if they didn't go on that run, you might feel differently going into that playoff. Yes and no. Here's the problem I have with that whole situation. That team, you had Ilyasova, you had Bellinelli. That wasn't a team that was a championship team. That That's was true. a team that was a second-round playoff team. They were what they were. They, they got beat when they should have got beat. They got beat by the Celtics in the second round because they weren't a good defensive team. And quite frankly, that was Ben and Joel's first time in the playoffs. They weren't experienced enough to go through the ups and downs of a playoff series. They learned from that. The problem was... They broke that team right away up, and then they went to another new team. They got rid of Bellinelli, they got rid of Ilyasova, and they brought in a bunch of guys, you know, that were going to be wing defenders. They brought in like Wilson Chandler, and they tried to be, hey, we got to stop the wings of the of the Celtics. Well, that didn't work, so they ended up making some trades. And then the next thing you know is you got Jimmy Butler. I mean, uh, Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler, and you're like, look, we're really going for this. Well. The Jimmy Butler thing doesn't work out because he doesn't want to be here. Then you trade so much to get Tobias Harris that you can't let him walk, so you got to overpay him. I mean, it turns into a disaster. We went over the what what sports story would be great for a 10-part documentary like what we saw with the last dance during the quarantine. This 76ers run of the last however many years is one bonker story. It really is. This ride is unbelievable. From the jump of the tank to where we are now, don't you think this could be more than a 10-part documentary by the time it's over? Oh, you could do a 30-for-30 30 30 on this whole Oh, situation. no doubt. I mean, 30-for-30 30 is not enough time. You need more than just a 30-for-30. 30 30. Yeah. Uh, you need primetime ABC-type stuff like they did with The Last Dance. It's bonkers. And, and with hindsight, we can look back at this and say, wow, they really screwed this up, and I think you nailed something yesterday when you talked about this fan base and how depleted we will be heading into next season if the only change was the coach with the same exact roster. I mean, obviously that's way better than Brett Brown in the same roster coming back, but I don't think that that's enough juice. Everyone is, is already out on this product. If they come back with a very similar sort of roster, this fan base is going to be extremely disappointed. Well, and here's the only problem is how do they get out of these whole, you know, how do they get out of this whole, uh, out of the contracts here? And Brian Taporek talked about it last night, which is no one's taking these guys. No one's taking these contracts. And this is one of the reasons why the Sixers are in this spot. It goes back to the early phases of the process and when, you know, you, you, commit to a long-term rebuild with Sam Hinkie and then cut his legs out halfway through. And it feels like they've kind of just been flailing between different visions ever since. Different visions. What do we keep saying? This team has been built with three different mindsets, really four. I mean, you had Hinkie, then he leaves, Colangelo. Colangelo does what he does. He has his mess 
Brett takes over for one minor part of the offseason, which included the trade in the draft. And then shortly after that, you got Elton Brand. You have four different GMs that were all saying, hey, this is what I want to do around. Now, the question is, are four different GMs using their vision to build around Joel and Ben, or is there somebody else saying, nope, this is what you're doing? That's the problem. There might be somebody telling these GMs what to do, and that's the scary part. I think you are correct. I think that there's stuff up top that's going down that we don't really know about because it happens behind closed doors, and then essentially the other guys around are just puppets doing what they're being told to do. I wouldn't be surprised if that's how it is. That happens all around sports. That happens in every sport. The fan base is just the ones that don't really hear the noise as much as other people. I'm sure that Joshua Harris has a lot to say when it comes to certain decisions with this organization, and that could be a big-time problem. Yeah, and if, if that's the case, then that's a bigger problem than we actually think, right? Is if these Well, I don't GMs... trust him. He might be the least trusted ownership group is the 76ers in the city, in my opinion. It's funny because, again, they had the city. The process people were all about it, and I think that the process people are even starting to question the ownership group and the whole situation because they've made so many mistakes. They've made so many mistakes. And the thing is, even with all the mistakes, they still could have hit a home run with this process. But I really think they tried to hit the accelerator way too fast for these old get-off-my-lawners who were like, you tanked for 10 years, you gotta win now! No, you didn't have to win now. You didn't have to buckle into them. You could have shut those old get-off-my-lawners up. They would have stuck around and stuck around because they're not smart enough to get off the lawn. And yet the Sixers buckled, and now this is the mess they have. They can fix it tonight, 6.30, Game 3 on 97.3 ESPN. Hey, everybody, it's Billy Schwein from The Locker Room. This Saturday, we'll recap all this week's action. The Phillies, the Sixers slide, the Flyers playoff push. Plus, Scott McKay and I will talk with former Flyers goalie and former general manager Ron Hextall. Hexy will chime in on his support for... On 97.3 ESPN. Uh, we'll get into the headlines here on the Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody. So, real quick, before we jump into these headlines. So, I got my girlfriend for Christmas this bean butter spray. Okay. That she wanted. It was on Shark Tank. So, it's like this butter sprayer. You put a stick of butter in there, and it heats the butter up, and then you can spray the butter, like, on your broccoli or your popcorn Ooh. or your bread. So, like, it comes out in a spray form instead of having to use the knife. And it's great, right? Yeah, of course. It was a lemon. Things sucked. Don't buy the bean butter spray. I'm going to rip them until the high heavens. Now, did you see the episode of Shark Tank and you were like, damn, we got to get this? She said, oh, my God, I want that. I didn't see you as a Shark Tank guy. Oh, I watch every episode. Oh, every episode. Every episode. It's on Hulu, I believe. Yeah. yeah I I'm a, big a lot fan of Shark, Shark Tank. Tank products, by the way. Yo, I got the physics uh, beer thing. That oh, turns... so you do you go out of your way specifically? Like, hey, I want to try no, this. Be okay. not necessarily. I don't go, but like I saw that beer thing. You put the bottle or can, and it turns it into a draft. Oh, that was on Shark Tank? Yeah. I had a Shark Tank idea. I don't think I'm going to pursue it. So my theory was I need something that everyone needs, something everyone utilizes. Well, everyone needs socks, right? I know you're anti-sock, but everyone needs socks. And everyone's feet, they sweat. So you needed, like, scented socks was the idea. 
So orange, lemon, grape, watermelon. Your feet start sweating. Oh, is that lemon? Is that orange? But my problem <laughs> like a was right, yeah. But the problem is, how long can it last in the wash? Look, anyone can steal it. It's I have no patent on it. Good, go ahead, give it a try. Scented socks, but I gave up. And sports radio is here. I am. You know. So, so this bean butter spray, it stopped working after like two weeks. So I'm looking to call somebody or whatever. There's an email. I send the email, no response. I send another email, no response. I send a third email, nothing. So my mother, who's like, you know, oh, let me at him. Okay. All right. Here we she go. She could not find a number, no email, nothing. Stumped her. She calls NBC10 investigative better business reports. So they're all over me. They're calling me. They're emailing me. I got the email today. They can't find a number to contact the business, so they can't help me out. What? There's no number to get in contact with this business. I'll read the email. I just got it. That's what made me think of this story. This is uh, <laughs> this is incredible, right? See, I normally bite the bullet on this stuff. Like, I will never go out of my way. It was to... expensive. Okay, well, okay, I didn't know. Uh, it wasn't like it was thirty bucks, and I'm like, all right, whatever. It was okay. It was a decent amount. I'm sure, I was okay, like, if if it crossed the line where I thought, hey, you know what, I got too duped. Well, and, I was... and I guess what, I got it for her for Christmas. She really wanted it. It was a cool product, and I was like, dude, just send me another one or reimburse me. That's all. That's all I'm asking. I wonder if so many people had this issue, they had to disband the whole entire thing. Who was the shark that invested? Was it Lori? Somebody invested, but I think they got out of it. Well, I, maybe there's a reason why they did. Hello, Mr. <laughs> Gill. If I do not have a good means of contact for the business, I cannot proceed on the complaint. The only way we can offer a resolution is with the with this business. is uh, That's the only way we can offer a further resolution. They told me to uh, contact the attorney general. Of Pennsylvania. Now you're going to do that. Uh, we should, just for the radio purposes. Let's see how far we can take this thing. But beam butter spray. I think everybody should just email them, blast them, tweet at them, whatever you can do. That's now, I've emailed them. They haven't responded to me. I have like four emails I've sent them. I honestly feel like so they, they obviously are not in play anymore. Their BBB is bad. Like, they don't respond to anybody. Well, apparently somebody had the business on Shark Tank. And then they kind of, like, lost it, and somebody else bought it because the first people who had it lost it because it was a bad product. It kept it was breaking. So that somebody new came in, and it was Butterbeam Spray Version 2, and it was supposed to be better. And you got the Version 2? I got the Version 2. Maybe they accidentally sent you the Version 1. Well, it sucked. Well, yeah. Well, it's a great premise, though. The hot butter spray. Yeah, it sounds like a phenomenal idea. It worked for about two weeks, and we were using it all the time. It seems like a great idea. You know what else Better seems like? Better than scented socks. No, come on. Everyone needs socks. Not everyone needs butter. You don't need butter, but when you do need butter, you don't like it to be hard and like you're putting it on the toast and it's like... That is the worst. Yeah. But you know what's worse? When you're sweating and your feet stink. You won't have to have that issue with scented socks. You know what? I bought those Bomba socks from Shark Tank. Those socks are... So you're a Shark Tank heavy guy. Those Bombas are... Because I watch it, but I've never sat there and go, huh, you know what? I'm ordering this. Oh, I bought something else the other day. I didn't like it all that much. You're an impulse buyer. Sh shirts, fanatics. Like You're like, oh, I need that. I feel like you see something like, I'm going to go do that. Yeah, this this company was called The Mad Optimist, and they make like natural products and stuff. So I created my own soap, the Sports Bash Bar. Oh, wow. Yeah. You and can you use can, it on your feet, and then and then get your socks. It the was too socks. mushy. The soap was because it was all organic, like products. 
It was very mush. It mushed out really quick. But the weird part about the business, the whole concept of the business is you pay what you want to pay for it. So it was like a sliding scale anywhere you could pay anywhere from two bucks to nine dollars. You choose for the soap. For the soap. You choose what you want to pay. Huh. You just slide it. Okay, I want to pay three fifty. You can also choose how much you want to pay on DraftKings. Only one thing can compare to excitement of basketball playoffs, and that is having skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They are giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 on basketball, they will give you a $10 free bet. Don't forget about playoff hockey as well. The Flyers game six tonight. Use code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I want to start with this one. Joe Judge. We don't really know what to expect out of Joe Judge, right? Did you hear this story about him making the coaches and players run laps when they make mistakes in practice? The coach gets to have to has to run the lap too Coach, because- coaches and players run laps when mistakes happen. You think the veterans are no, really loving that one? That's not working. <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, in what universe well, how is about, Joe Judge making people do that? Well, how about this, uh, you know, Greeny today, which, by the way, Greenberg back has been great. These shows have been great this week. He had the whole story about Gronk and how miserable he was, and he just needed to get out of there. He said his body felt like poop. Well, I'm interested to see what he's going to be like because we've seen how skinny he got. Well, the whole point is, like, those, like that Judge, he's from New England— and Belichick is, you know, pretty authoritative. Maybe this guy's even a step further. You know, like sometimes there's always the guy under you that learns from you and like wants to take it to another level. Well, let's look at Vrabel as an example because there hasn't been much success out of the Belichick tree, right? It's not like the Andy Reid tree. So with Belichick, Mike Vrabel, he has that tough guy mentality, but he has a perfect mix of players coach as well. That works. With Joe Judge, it's almost as if he's going to the extreme so early on. And I get it. He's trying to set the tone and going into New York, he wants to, you know, he wants to deliver a message right from the jump. And I'm not against that, but in this era, it is 2020. And you can't, like, can you imagine Doug Peterson? Hey, Deuce, that's a lap. Hey, Schwartzy, it's a lap, bud. It's an interesting it concept. The, it's kind of funny. I mean, if I would, you know what I would respect? Here's what I would respect, and, and I don't know the information. If he runs two, now I respect it more. You don't just force the other guys. You're part of this too, coach. Run. Right. If he's running with them, then I take a step back and go, you know what? I respect that. You run too. Well, I think that's the concept of making the position coach run with the guys because your position made a mistake, so you were also being penalized for their mistake. Yeah, I want to know. I'm holding you accountable. I don't see if, in in the articles, all it says is the coaches are running, but it doesn't specifically say if he's running as well. That would change the story. That's pretty funny, though. Good good for him. Let's see if it pays off. By the way, speaking of Joe Judge, on Tuesday's show, we're going to be doing a whole NSC East day. On Tuesday, Tim McManus at 2.30. Jordan Ronan at 3.15 covers the Giants. John Kime covers Washington at 3.45. And Todd Archer covers the Cowboys at 4.30 plus football at 4. So Tuesday, we're going football and NFC East heavy. I'm all excited. Oh, me too. You know what? We talked about how we don't get that much juice for football right now because there's playoffs, hockey, everything going on. When we laid out this idea off the air, 
I think the hair stood up on my arms a bit. Got me a little football. What, yeah. like a, a poor Billy Schwime. I want to get into a three-part stance. You know how he always has that? Yeah. He wants to get into the stance? Always. All right. Last night, Timberwolves, first overall pick. You know how much I care? Zero percent. Who's even going this year? Don't care. Exactly. Isn't that crazy? I don't know anything about the draft right now because college basketball hasn't been on since March. I know, and it's so wild. Like, this is a big event. The NBA lottery, who's going to get it? Will it be the Warriors? Normally, you know, you have a Zion or a Ben Simmons or, you know, there's someone. Even if he stinks, but there's like a hype behind a guy. Andrew Wiggins, whatever. You got nothing well, with Normally, this. they would be already drafted playing in the summer well, league that, by now. That's true, but I just meant in terms of, you know, when no, you I'm saying, like, get so the lottery. No, I'm saying, like, so it's just so weird. Like, you know, there were some people that were a little concerned that Golden State may have got the number one pick. And then, of course, Clay Thompson was hurt. Seth Curry, Steph Curry was hurt. And, like, there was some, like, oh, my God, they get the first number one pick. But who, who's the who's the first pick? I mean, I guess the kid, uh, Weissman Memphis, from uh, Memphis. But, but then he left Memphis, correct? Or Yeah, he played, like, two or three games and yeah. then he ended up leaving because there was, like, some payment stuff that uh, he was connected to. You got ball. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out for college basketball this year. We talk about it with the NFL all the time. What's going to happen with these college football players? How are teams going to utilize their draft picks? Well, it's the same thing. You could see the Warriors trade the second pick, right, and, and get you, somebody. This is the okay. This is the mock draft that was put up last night after the lottery went. Minnesota, Lamelo Ball, first overall. First huh? overall. Golden State, Anthony Edwards, Georgia. He's an offensive, I mean, now that these names are kind of coming back at me, you know, Ball didn't play college, but Edwards, he was a scoring machine out there. You put him out there with Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Edwards might be able to score with that Golden State team. Charlotte, James Wiseman. Now, Charlotte hasn't been able to get it right in their career, their history. So they get a center who is, um, I wouldn't say he is going to be shooting the three ball. You know what I'm saying? So he's kind of an interesting fit in today's game, but he's very athletic. Um, the kid from Dayton, Toppin. Oh, yeah. He going to Chicago. Hell of a basketball number four. player. Uh, number five, this kid's from uh, Tel Aviv. I don't, I've don't. i never heard of him. Not a college player. Number six, another guy who, Southern Cal, um, uh, Okanagwu. Don't know much about him. USC didn't put out much good basketball, by the way. Uh, number seven, Halliburton from Iowa State. Now, him I know. He's pretty darn good, but not number seven in the draft. Uh, Okoru from Auburn to the Knicks at number eight. I mean, so this draft doesn't seem like it's got a lot. Of that was a hot topic last night, though. The Knicks, they're still trying to figure, <laughs> figure this thing out. Eighth overall pick. This story in baseball, though, that happened last night, the Padres, Fourth game in a row with a grand slam. Wow. Eric Hosmer. This team, I told you this, it's must-watch television. This Padres team is probably one of the most exciting baseball teams that I can remember in a while. They just have that personality. That's what it is. I mean, it's not like they're stacked with insane talent, but it's just a fun watch. Four straight grand slams? That's insane. That Tatis again? No, this was Eric Hosmer. It was Tatis had one. Manny Machado had one. I'm not sure who had it in between Machado and Hosmer. But Just don't like those units. Or in between uh, the Padres Tatis is written and too Manny. big. It's what? The Padres, it's written too big. 
on the on the jersey in yeah. the front. It's brown pinstripe with brown lettering and yellow outline. Mm. I think it looks good. Nah. What do you mean, nah? The lettering's too big. What would you like? What would you prefer? A smaller font. Well, what about the S and the D and then maybe a number? You know how they have the SD on yeah. one side and maybe a number on the other? Something. It says Padres. It takes up the whole front. I wouldn't mind if there was a number underneath of that, though. Or something. I don't like the brown pinstripe. You don't like any pinstripes, no. which is ridiculous because it's the best-looking baseball. Uneducated you are. All right, we'll go to football at four on the other side. The NFL, the Eagles, a lot happening up at camp today. The latest on the other side.